Good morning, West Hills. So excited to join you again over video. Hey, usually if you've been to one of our services, then you, you know that we usually have a get to know you time. You thought you were going to get out of this, but you know, you're not. Uh, right where you are, as we intro this today, I want to encourage you. Um, what's a name that comes to your mind right now? Just ask the Lord for a name. Lord, give us a name today. Now, I want to encourage you. Let's use this time uh, for a purpose. Pull your phone out and text a, a word of encouragement to the name that came to your mind. I'm so excited as we step into the word today. Uh, if you got your scripture, we're going to be in Luke 18. But before that, uh, as you're turning, um, I've been thinking about all the stuff that's, that's happening right now. And we talk about this every week, and Lord knows you have... If you've been scrolling on, on uh, Instagram or you've been on anything, you've been watching the news, you've been looking at TV, uh, Corona's all that we're hearing about. And I was thinking about something, and really if you think about it, you know, every 50 years there's some kind of epidemic that sweeps society. I mean, you think about in our grandparents' generation, it was, it was polio. And polio was devastating. And through that, we have the polio vaccine, and now polio is eradicated from the earth. We made through polio. And I thought about in the early church, actually in the Roman Empire, there was five great plagues. And during those five great plagues, the church actually grew more in that time than any other time. Do you know why? Because in a time where plagues were sweeping society, society was running. But guess who wasn't running? Because guess who wasn't afraid? The church. The church was running into the disaster instead of away. And so because people were seeing healing, because people were seeing uh, 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 their needs met, they were coming to, to the gospel in droves. The church grew in power and number in the hardest of times. That has been the MO for the church from day one. And you've seen as church persecution happens, usually the church comes alive and begins to flourish. And so in a day where uh, it might feel that everything is falling apart, I'm actually very excited about what the potential uh, the church can actually have in these days to actually be the light that they were called to be. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When a world is running from disaster, we're called to run into disaster. Not to bring more disaster, but to bring an essence of, of, uh, of order back to disaster. What an honor and what a gift that we have. Hey, one of the ways that we're doing that, we're partnering with different food banks and we're helping West Hills Elementary School. And we are making sure that as students are staying at home during this time, we're actually partnering with the school to make sure that their needs are met. I want to invite you into partnering with us. One of the ways that you can partner with us is by giving. We are all collectively giving to the needs of our community. And one of the ways you're going to see on your screen, uh, you can give at this link right here. Check it out. And I want to encourage you, uh, let's band together in a time where people are backing away. We're going to press in. And so one of the practical ways that we're pressing in is by partnering with the school to make sure that uh, no child is left hungry during this time. Thank you so much for giving. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to share with you guys as we've opened up video uh, chats and different videos that are being posted. We're watching really the message of Jesus spread like wildfire all around the world right now. And so be praying with us as we know that this message that we preach is one of great news that brings great joy and peace and hope. And it is the only message that really goes beyond the place that we sit, goes beyond this worldly place and into an eternal place. It's a message of absolute hope forever. 
And so we're trusting that God's going to use this season and this time uh, for his glory. So to get your Bibles open, uh, Luke 18, join me there. We've been in this series uh, called Stories That Help Us See, and we're going to finish up our series right now. We finish with Luke 18 and starting in verse 1, going to verse 8. It says this, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor, uh, nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I'm going to explain this a little bit. The writer starts off this passage by telling exactly why Jesus actually said what he said. What did he say? He told them the parable was to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is why Jesus says what he says. He says, I want to make sure that you know there's a reason for you to be praying and not to lose heart. So he says, always to pray. He told them always to pray. Now, uh, understand what the word always means. Always is not this repetition uh, idea where you're saying the same thing over and over, begging, begging, begging. It's, it's exactly kind of what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. It's at every circumstance of our life, I'm bringing my request to God, knowing that God hears my prayer and cares. So that's the idea of when he says pray always. It's this idea that we're saying, I mean, I don't have what I need for this circumstance or this situation, but I know who does and I know who cares for me. So in every circumstance, I'm bringing my request to God always at every time of my life. So always, this is why he says this, always we ought to be praying to the one who loves us. Verse 2, he talks about the judge. The judge who neither feared God nor, nor respected men. You see, when, when Jesus tells this story, they would have really understood this because the people who were ruling over them at that time was the Roman Empire. And we know anything about the Roman Empire, those judges, they didn't understand the Bible. They didn't understand the Jewish scriptures. So they had, they had no understanding of this moral law that was set before the Jews. They didn't have an idea about that. And so they would have really understood this to have a, a judge over them that didn't understand their law didn't understand their law and wouldn't have understood what the law pointed them to, that they were to take care of widows, that they were to care about the lowest of society. You see, the, the Roman Empire was honestly a lot like ours. It was to posture, position, care about those who were at high levels. It's just the natural order of man. But see, the Jews, they knew they had a scripture that actually pointed them otherwise to the heartbeat of God, to care for those who were not able to care for themselves. So Jesus tells about this unrighteous judge who wouldn't care about the orphan or the widow. 
They understood this clearly. The verse three and four, Jesus tells the story about this person who is a nobody who would step before the unrighteous judge, the widow, the one who nobody really cared about. But then Jesus draws attention in verse six to something very, very crucial. He, he helps us understand exactly why he's saying what he's saying. Verse six, he says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. So he wants us to understand something. He draws our attention to this very, very clear statement. Understand what the unrighteous judge says. What did the unrighteous judge say? Verse four and five. So we skip down. Now let's get back up. Four and five. He says, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, she's frustrating the fire out. She's annoying me. I will give her justice simply because she's annoying so that she will not beat me by her continual coming. That word beat me is literally the word for a black eye. It's this picture, this imagery that is laid before us that this lady is going to give him a personal black eye before others so that her continual coming is kind of becoming an embarrassment to him. Verse 7 and 8, will not God, so he quickly says, all right, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And he paints this picture of the unrighteous judge. And then he steps down into the next verse and helps us understand the correlation between the unrighteous judge and the one the scriptures calls the righteous judge. So unlike the unrighteous judge, will not God give justice to his elect? So he paints two opposite pictures, an unrighteous judge and a widow. And then he says, will not God and his elect? So somebody who's considered a nothing and you have a, a judge who doesn't know the law and doesn't care about it, doesn't, not a respecter of men, then you have this righteous judge who's not only a respecter of men, but a God who meets men right where they are and gives them what they need. And not only does he give them what they need, but his elect, that, that word we talked about a few weeks ago, if you remember, and you can check out some of those messages weeks ago, but we talked about that word ecclesia, the ones who are called out, Literally, God has spoken and called you out. That's exactly what he's talking about. How much more will not the unrighteous judge, but the perfect judge, give to those that he's actually called out for his purposes to be his beloved? Will he not take care of them? Verse 7 and 8, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. That means he's not going to waste time. So unlike the unrighteous judge... (laughs) who is slow to move, and he's only moving because he has to, and he only cares about himself. You have this perfect God in heaven who's going to act speedily because not only uh, does he care for you, but he loves you dearly, and he will move speedily. But verse 8 is the challenge for us. Nevertheless, even if this is true, nevertheless, think about this for a second. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When he comes back, will he find any of us actually caring or expecting him to move? Asking him, trusting him, calling upon him. He's saying, nevertheless, that this is true. Will he find faith left on the earth? Pray and not lose heart is the point of this passage. That they might pray. I want to remember that. Remember why he said this. That we might pray and not lose heart. 
My prayer is that this passage is an encouragement to some of us who have lost heart. Have you ever lost heart? I have. And if you feel like maybe you're in a space where you've lost heart, I want to encourage you today. You're not alone. That's why it's so important in these days not to be isolated, uh, but to step into the community. Because sometimes uh, I, I feel that way. But I need my brothers and sisters around me to make sure that they encourage me and bring me along in my spaces of doubt and challenge. So if you're in there, if you're in that place, shoot us a DM. Uh, we, want, we want to connect with you and want to make sure that you walk this time not by yourself, but with a community of believers who can keep you encouraged in these days. Remember why he said this, to pray and not lose heart. I think there's a secret to not losing heart. You want to know what it is? It's in 2 Corinthians 4.1. Paul says this. He says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart talks about not losing heart. What he talks about the reason for not losing heart is he says, because since God's mercy, we're actually doing what we're doing. It's because of his mercy and the recognition of his mercy in our life that keeps us encouraged, that fills us with fuel to actually accomplish the purpose we've been called into. Verse 16 says, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. You got to understand what what these guys are going through, they're spreading this good news all around the world and they're experiencing problem, pain, prison, famine, shipwreck, all kind of crazy stuff happening in their life. The outward man of their life is wasting away. I mean, their body is tired, but they're saying, we do not lose heart. Though we're outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, inside, we're being renewed day by day. How are they renewed day by day? It's in that verse one, through God's mercy. It's the constant recognition of God's mercy in our life that will be fuel for you today. If you have forgotten this, I want to remind you that it is by God's grace and his kindness that he's given us any forgiveness. It is by his mercy that he's called you to be a called out one with a purpose in this season and this day. It's by his mercy, not that you've earned it or deserved it, but it was imparted to you as a free gift. This is so encouraging. Already life is beginning to, to well up within. But you know what 2 Timothy 3 says? That in the end of days, uh, people will not be focused on mercy. It says that they will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They won't be thinking about mercy. They'll be thinking about what they deserve, what they've earned, their pride and their arrogance. And because of this, they might have a form of godliness, but they'll actually deny the power that can make them holy. They'll deny anything that God could actually give because guess what? They are enough for the situation. Will there be faith left on the earth as he comes back? Will there be anybody in need from the God in heaven? Or are we meeting the need that we have? Are we enough for the situation? But based upon God's mercy... And based upon who he is and based upon who we are, the scripture would point us to the truth that we are not enough. We do not have the power to transform hearts. We do not have the power to make an eternal impact. And so what do we need from him to do today? My prayer is uh, that we step into this encouraging word that you're allowed to call to the king today and that he loves you very much and he will answer you speedily. But how many of us really need him today. Maybe we need him more than we knew. 
Do you realize that you need God today? Then I have good news. Check out what Jesus said in John chapter 6, 37. He says, everyone, I love the word everyone, everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. Do you feel like maybe you've been away for a time? Maybe you've been discouraged for a while and you really need to get your act together, right? (laughs) What this passage says is, is that everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And if you decide today that you want to come to Jesus, the promise in this passage is that he will answer you. I will never drive you away. That's everybody. That's no matter what you've been walking through. That's no matter what kind of doubt you have. So maybe you have doubts and fears and you're, or maybe you're angry. You're dealing with stuff that, that you've never told anybody. Today, right where you are, I want to encourage you that life is available to you. And I promise you, the King of Heaven gives us a promise. Call him on the promise. He says, call to me and I will answer you speedily. Anyone who calls out to me, I will never drive away. His name is Jesus, my friend. Call out to Jesus right where you are, no matter what you have or what you feel in your life today. He'll meet you. He'll bring salvation to your life. He will set you free. He'll open the prison doors that maybe you felt have surrounded you for many years now, many days. Maybe you're walking in darkness. Call out to Jesus and I promise a piercing light will enter that darkness. The whole series that we've been talking about is stories that help us see. My prayer is that we understand what he's actually saying to us through these, through these passages. Number one, we must understand this through this whole series. This is what it all points us to in this story that we're talking about today. Number one, you must know who God is. I mean, if you really know who God is, not think about who, who you think God is. What does the scripture point us to who God is? If we know who God is, he's not the unrighteous judge. But I'm going to be honest with you. The reason that I don't pray is sometimes because I believe that he just might be a little bit of an unrighteous judge. And I just might believe that I'm enough for the situation. I'm not a widow. I'm a king. And I can meet my own needs. But in fact, there is a righteous judge whom we are far more dependent upon than we ever maybe care to imagine or hope for. And that fact is this, that he meets us right in that place and still chooses to say, you're, my, you're mine and I love you and I'm still going to show up and I'm still going to move speedily in your life. Will you allow me to call out to me and I will never leave you hanging? That's what Jesus promised. Call out to him today, my friend, and he'll meet you right where you are. First thing though, you must know who God is. He is the righteous judge. Romans 3, 25 through 26 says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And then skip down to verse 26 says, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. So he proved not his unrighteousness, but he proved his righteousness that he's the righteous judge because he made a way for sinners to be made right. For he himself is fair and just. (laughs) I don't know what's fair and just about what he did. Not, not, not for himself. The fair and just thing is that he looked at imperfect you and me and says, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus, my friend, and he will set you free. 
The second thing that we, we've got to see through this whole series of stories that help us see, number one is, you must know who God is. Number two is, you must know who you are. We must know who we are. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. You're no longer a nobody, my friend. What the passage says is you're no longer a widow, but you're an elect. You're a called out one. You have a purpose. You're no longer a sinner, but as you believe in Jesus, that he has declared you holy. He set you apart as righteous and declared righteous. You're called out. Ezekiel 16.8 says even, goes even further. And it says, I saw that you were old enough for love, so I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vow over you. I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. He equates our relationship not as a widow, but as someone that he has married, that he has loved deeply. And this is exactly what he's done. He's met us right where we, where we are, and he's covered up our nakedness, and he's met every one of our needs as a good husband does uh, to his bride. He's cared for and loved us deeply. As I've studied this passage, it was a few weeks ago, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to believe you more in this. And I, I want to tell you, I don't always do things perfectly. I don't. But I'm, I really, I really want to see the Lord speak and I want to see him move. And I began to ask him, I said, Lord, if this is true, then I, I, I long to hear from you that I might share what you give to me. And I woke up one early morning. God was waking me up about four in the morning. And I woke up in the morning and I, I had my phone and I just told him, I said, Lord, I don't always do this, by the way, but I said, Lord, I'm just going to get my Bible and I'm just going to, I'm going to hit and I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me. So God lead me and I'm hitting the page. And then I hit the page on my phone app and I look at where it points me to and it took me to Ezekiel, it took me to this passage. And as I looked at this passage, I began to read and I, I saw the promise of God. And then I saw how he spoke to the prophet Ezekiel and he said, Ezekiel, there's a day, I, this is the truth. I've, I've loved you and I've loved your people. I've called you guys out and I have, I have wed you. I've married you. You are mine. And yet he then talks a few chapters later about basically his called out one or his loved one who's entered this covenant marriage relationship is kind of wandering. And so he calls out this guy, Ezekiel, and he says, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do in front of my wife, in front of my people. He says, I want you to every single day, pack up your home, put it in bags, put it on your back and walk out the door, live among the people as a man who is on a mission, not one who's tied down to the world, but one who's on the move. Everyone else has walked away from the marriage of me and love of me and they've married the place where they sit. They love their things. And he says, for you, you do differently. Pack all of your belongings, put it on your back, and every day that you leave the house, put it and, and, and live in front of everybody as a man on the move. This passage I didn't understand. I was like, Lord, what does that mean? And this was weeks ago, by the way. This was weeks ago. Lord, what does this mean? Immediately, I'm praying this in my, in my living room. It's about 6.30 in the morning at this time, and my daughter comes walking out, Blakely. And the night before, we had gotten in bed, and I, I said, let's ask Jesus to give us his dreams. And so she said, Jesus, give me, my, give me your dreams. May I have your dreams? So she comes and she sits down at 6.30 in the morning on my lap and curls up and gives me a big hug. And she says, first thing she says is this. She says, 
Dad, I had a dream last night. And I said, what'd you dream? And she said this. She said, all my suitcases were packed on my bed. I didn't know what to say. I said, what was in the suitcases? She said, I didn't think to look. <laughs> but in this moment, I, I, I believe the Lord gave me a word, a very, very clear word. Because he told Ezekiel, here's why he told Ezekiel to live this way. He said, I want you to live differently so that the people, as they watch your life, those who have ears that they might actually maybe hear, those who have eyes that they might actually begin to see. You see, in a day, the day that we live today, I believe there is a call on the called out ones, the church today. I believe this word that he gives to Ezekiel is absolutely applicable for our lives today. Would you, my friend, understand who God is? And if you understand who God is, then number two, will you understand who you are? Would you accept the fact that you are the called out one? You are the Ezekiel of this day. You are the one that is meant to live differently in this world because you are on a mission. This place is not your home. You're to live as a sojourner in a land where, where people have married this place and it's temporary and it's fleeting. But maybe today you're listening to this and you have realized that. Maybe you've realized it unlike any other time in your life you've realized that. What does this passage point us to today then? Here's what we can know. I challenge you to accept and believe this promise that Jesus said to us. Would you trust that in fact, if you have come to Jesus and maybe you're realizing you have married this place, divorce it, walk away from it. And I'm not saying divorce your family. I'm not saying, <laughs> understand what I'm saying, please. But I am saying, would you, would you receive the promise that, that the king of the universe has given to you today? That you are not a widow and you have not come to an unrighteous king or a judge today. You have come to the righteous judge who has declared you perfect. Now, with your voice, speak up. Because your voice matters. He will answer you speedily. What do you need from him? My prayer is that we transform even our idea of what we're praying about in this season. Do you want him to be seen? I'm talking to a lot of people who want God to answer their prayer. And they wonder, where the heck did God go? Uh, my life is getting harder. And I want to encourage you. He was never there because your life was easy. That was not the proof of the pudding. That was not the proof that God was there. In fact, Philippians says this, uh, that we should count it joy, or um, that he talks about uh, that the trials in our life are actually um, given to us by God. They're allowed in our life to actually bring a refining in our life, to transform us, that we walk the road that Jesus walked. And I'm telling you, if suffering is any indication that God is gone, then God forsook Jesus, that's for sure. That is not a good representation of, of where God went in, in our challenge. I'm excited in our challenge because I know this, that God is refining you and me, and he's calling us to look into a mirror. And as we look in the mirror, we're starting to see our flaws maybe a little bit. I'm seeing mine. Here's why the promise is so beautiful. And I'll come back to the story now. We can continue in this and not lose heart because of the mercy of God that's never left, has never forsaken us. And my prayer is that you have a full meal of mercy today. 
Have you seen your flaws in this season? Have you seen your doubt? Have you seen your lack? Have you seen your lack of faith? Good. What do you do about it? And I say, begin to admire the the righteous judge who has declared you. You might have missed it, but I have loved you so, and you still have a voice to me, and I love you. Would you enter back into an intimate relationship with your one true love? Right where you are today, as we close, gather your family around. Uh, Maybe you're alone today, and that's okay as well. Then if you have a friend or a neighbor, gather around. Let's have a time of prayer. Let's ask the king, Lord, what do you want to do in this day? Maybe you have a different idea than me. I'm open. Lord, teach me more of who you are. Help me to see a little bit more of who I am. And help us, give us the courage to step forward boldly as we live in this day. Uh, This day is challenging and may feel a little bit scary, but I promise you if this is true, then the righteous judge is waiting to hear and act speedily on your behalf. Let's go to him now. Father, today we just say thank you uh, that we have this promise that you are the righteous judge. You are the good king. And we bring um, our request to you. All these things upon our heart we hand to you. And Lord, we're thankful that we can cast them before you and that you have cared for us, that you said you would lift those. Lord, give us your vision for this day and help us to walk in courage uh, among a people who may feel very terrified today. Help us as we might feel terrified to understand the truth and to receive it, to begin walking in it with all hope and courage. Thank you for this love that we have been promised. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a time of prayer with you and your family and we look forward to getting back with you next week. Do not miss. We'll start a brand new series next week. I love you guys so much and so thankful to walk the journey together.